Welcome to Faith, Fact, and Fiction with your host, Len Parsons, on Anchor FM. Always something unique and different. Visit us at www.pastorlen.com. It was already hot when I crossed the last mile down to where the men were gathering. It had been a long night's journey. It was mandatory for us old guys to come and register to make sure that we weren't just trying to skip out on our patriotic duty but those of us that had physical limitations were to be checked and armed and allowed to return back to the city we had came from, back to our families. They were specific about that. And looking back on it now, I can see why they were so specific. What better way to keep a man from going AWOL at a time like this than to assign him to the place where his family was. A man may do a lot of things, but rarely will a man leave his wife or his children at the mercy of these invaders. The invasion Oh, that's another story. But it's happening soon. We don't know when it'll reach our area. So I made my way quickly to where my company was gathering. My sergeant, with a surprised tone, so this is the first time you've been here on time in the three years I've known you. Well, I was in a hurry to get back home before things got bad. Well, get your gear and let the doctor check you out. And when you get ready to go home, Remember, you just have a limited amount of time before they decide that you have went outlaw, rogue. We can't have people out pillaging the countryside. We can't have that going on. It didn't take long for the doc to check me out. 
he saw the size of my handicap. And of course I limped a little more than I had to. And I let my gray hair and my out of shape body pretend to be a little older than it was because I had every intention of failing the test and going back to my family. My mind had already been planning how I could get my family and find some way to safety. It was no problem. The doctor said I was better for the home front. The last line of defense. I was issued a rifle. Ammunition. Various items. Wish God speed. Good luck. And I hope to see you again. I left immediately. The transportation that had gotten me here had been commandeered. We were on our own trying to get back to our city. Back to our city. Boy, that sounds funny. I had to cross desert. A whole lot of people, hundreds or thousands, trying to get away from the coast. Behind us, we could see explosions in the distance. We could hear sounds of muffled warfare. Where this invasion came from? Where was the safest place to go? Many spoke of going to Mexico. And I must admit it sounded tempting to just cross back over into another country that was not at war. Seemed kind of strange of all the years of people crossing the border for a better life. Now I was tempted to cross the border for a better life. But I had my family in the city. I managed to reach the city not long before dark on the second day. I had three days before I was considered a looter. Looters were to be shot on sight. When I reached the perimeter, there hadn't been a perimeter when I had left town. There were hundreds of people screaming trying to get into the town. Some based on paperwork, some on assignment, some because of family, others just fleeing the sounds of the conflict that were behind us. I had my paperwork, my makeshift uniform, my weapons, 
everything official. But the man charged with allowing people in was more suitable for working at the post office than he was to run a gate in a wartime city. I've been a prepper for many years. I've been prepping in my mind for decades. It's funny when you prep that you don't know what you're prepping for. I'd always wondered about people that work in normal jobs, that live normal lives, what they would do in times like this. I'd always thought I would be clear-headed and non-emotional. But I was wrong. When I saw my family, wife and kids, across the barrier, and me on the other, and a paper shuffler afraid to let me in, I quit arguing with my paperwork and I pointed to my family less than 20 feet away and the man gave up on the paperwork and let me come through the gate. It was so good to be with my family. Hugs and kisses but as I entered the gate, I knew I'd entered the trap. And somehow I must find a way to escape and take my family with me. Day three. I went down to the police station. Then I went to the fire department. I had a friend that worked at the fire department. He allowed me to uh, walk with him up to the top of our tallest building. From the rooftop, filled with dignitaries, Mayors, small-time commanders, police chiefs, wannabe warriors, we watched. The sun had been down for an hour. To the east, we could see the battle. We could see the fire, we could see the rockets. You could see a cloud of smoke and doom. I was torn in my emotions. A part of me wanting to go to the battle and to fight for my family where I had flexibility. Because while others sought the safety of the city, I felt trapped.
my family. I could slip outside of the city and I could go and do my part and fight this enemy before they got to the city. But what of my family? What if I got out and I couldn't get back in? No, I would have to wait for my family. Sing change. In the next day or so, I watched everything coming off the shelves in our local stores. No one seemed aware that there were not going to be delivery trucks to bring more. People were consuming quickly things that would require refrigeration because we didn't know how long we would have electricity. Hundreds more people had entered the city and I knew thousands were to come. In my mind, I could see that the dwindling supplies that were not sufficient for our city were certainly not going to be sufficient when we were three or four or five times the population. I had to find a way to get my family out of the city. Should I go myself, slide out of the city, cross the desert, and see what is behind us? See if there's safety. See if there's supplies. Then I could come back to my family and lead them out. But what if I couldn't? What if I didn't get back? What of my family? And it had become a cycle in my thinking that I must get out to save my family. And it became a cycle in my thinking that I couldn't risk getting out without my family. So for the first night of many nights to come, I didn't either. Days turned into weeks. I decided to position myself for opportunities of trust. One night I had a dream of a helicopter on the roof of our tallest building. 
I had a dream of me placing my family in the helicopter, taking off and flying to safety. Someone tried to stand in our way. A friend. But he stood no longer. And I woke up from the dream realizing that even friends could stand in your way. Plus I realized I don't know how to fly a helicopter if we had one. Scene change. It seemed like when the city employees quit getting paid that they quit doing their job. It had happened all over town. When the paycheck stopped, people suddenly had no desire to go to work. Sometimes the work was pointless. Sometimes it was very important. And sometimes can be life-saving. That's how it began. The mayor, who was nothing but a local politician, began to morph into a military commander. Our local CO, who I would barely describe as military, seemed to lose what authority he had. And the police chief seemed to fill every gap in between. New rules were starting to come. And I knew I had to get away and find a safe place for my family. But could I risk leaving and coming back? Could I risk leaving them alone to face the change that was coming? So I decided that I would choose to be a part of the volunteer force. I figured it was a safe place to be on their good side as I watched for my opportunity to save my family. When the city quit paying, the sanitation department quit operating. The trouble was that the citizens of our fair city continued 
to pile trash everywhere. They kept putting it to the curb, thinking someone was going to come by and pick up their trash and take it somewhere. Then the next thing was people began to just pour their trash and their garbage in the streets. It was amazing how fast cultured people with manicured lawns could suddenly become so dirty. It was a health issue. We would hear that phrase a lot. In fact, one of the most powerful politicians, many dictators in the city became the health department. If they could declare you a health hazard, they could take what you had. And the garbage in the streets was a health issue. And I was one of the first to volunteer to help clean up the city. Now, no, it wasn't because I'm a good guy. It was because I saw opportunity to be able to move about the city. Yes, I had to pick up some dirty things, but I had the freedom of movement from neighborhood to neighborhood, from area to area, with a lot less risk of being shot. Because we know the rules. They weren't going to allow anyone It was quite an adventure. Part of the things that people were throwing away were going to turn into very valuable items. But in their mind, they still had a perception that they would be able to purchase more. The value in the spare parts the value and functionality. Even some of the food items that had been discarded would be worth their weight in gold in a few months. Scene change. It's hard to comprehend how hot it has become. Yes, I know we live in the desert, but it is incredibly hard to imagine how hot it has become. In a meeting the other night, 
it was declared a health crisis. People have been dying of heat stroke. It was just our luck that this war had started. Not in the winter or in the spring when a population that was used to having cool air would have time to adjust gradually as the temperature began to soar. Today is one of those days. For weeks now, it's been a steady stream of people dying from the excessive heat. At first it was the old, but now it's not just the old, it's the young. Groups of men have been commissioned to cut holes through the ceiling and the roof to allow the hot air trapped inside to flow. Instructions are being given on leaving windows open and, and trying to cover shade. Our neighborhood had no one cutting holes in the ceiling yet, through the roof yet. I decided this morning it was time to make a plan. And when the sun began to rise, around six. I had my family out of the house. It was one of the benefits of working for the city. People had been commanded to stay out of the sun during the hot hours to stay indoors. I knew my family could not survive indoors. Early in the morning, I got them out. Let them quietly. Only met one man. He knows me from the cleanup crew. He may have guessed what I was doing, but he didn't object. We made our way to the coolest place I had seen. A place where three buildings came together and made shade. I took my family there. A protected place. These were things we had to learn to do for ourselves. To protect ourselves. It was time for me to get my family out of this city.
Maybe I could slip out tonight. Maybe I wouldn't be missed for a day or two or three. And I could see what was beyond the desert. Find a safe place of refuge. And come back and take my family. Oh, but there again. What if I couldn't find a safe place? What if the next city was worse than this city? What if they shot first and asked questions later? Once again, I would have to wait till a better time. This has been Faith, Fact and Fiction with your host Len Parsons on Anchor FM. Always something unique and different. Visit us at www.pastorlen.com.